0: Two things, I think. One, I was talking to somebody called Aaron this morning, and when I read, because I would normally call him Aaron, but because I was talking to Aaron this morning, I suddenly, when we were reading, called him Aaron. So it is Aaron or Aaron, same person, isn't it? And also, as well, I hope you had your tea, because I mean it's very graphic the account, isn't it? And um, and really, it's about the priests. Um, if you think of an industrial dispute. Uh, 2 sides unable to reach an agreement for a working conditions or a pay rise or whatever it is and uh, happens in france all the time doesn't it They always seem to be on strike but uh, often a mediator is brought in a kind of a, a go between someone to stand between the two factions to stand in the middle to bring an agreement and a mediator or go between tries to bring reconciliation where there is none and really that's what we're looking at when we're thinking this week of the role of a priest the function of the priest in the tabernacle the tent of meeting is to stand on behalf of the israelites before god in the presence of god last week we were looking at the rituals that are, uh, were needed we were looking at the sacrifices and a little bit at the feasts towards the end of uh, Uh, the book of Leviticus. And uh, we saw as well the great truth from Matthew 5, uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' own words, that he has come not to abolish the law, but he has come to fulfil it, to fulfil the law and the prophets, not to abolish, fulfil. And in fulfilling, of course, those things go because they are now come to fruition, they've come to fulfilment. And we're going to see again tonight, God willing, that Jesus fulfills what the priests do. He fulfills the function, the role of the priesthood. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked very briefly at the structure of the book uh, that you had the ritual sacrifices and the ritual feasts at one end. Then you had the priesthood as you came in. Then you've uh, next week got in where we we'll see purity. And then in the last week, we're going to see the Day of Atonement right in the middle. Of the book, and uh, tonight we 're looking at chapters eight to ten and chapters twenty one and twenty two not in any great detail, but really we 're looking at the kind of the wood instead uh, of the woods instead of the tre- individual trees we 're seeing the kind of the big picture and uh, in chapters eight to ten, we have given to us written for us the ordination of Aaron and his sons in chapter eight and um, and then we saw and read the priests beginning their ministry. In chapters 21 and 22, we've got really more of the rules and the instructions, kind of the job description, for the priests. And there is particular emphasis in chapters 21 and 22 on the high priests, or the high priest, and the descendant of the high priests and the priests as they serve the Lord. Ongoing instructions in chapters 21 and 22 as to how this is going to continue. So they are instructions. And of course, the whole book really, are instructions from God to take us from verse one of chapter one, Moses stood outside the tent to numbers, chapter one, verse one, the next book. Moses now is able to be in the tent. That's the difference that Leviticus makes. So, first thing we're going to do, uh, same kind of structure as last week. First thing, what do the priests do and what difference does it make? So we saw the different sacrifices last week for sin, bulls and pigeons and grain and all that kind of thing. And uh, we touch on the fact that the Israelites were to bring one of their own animals. It was something that they had to sacrifice their own animal to bring their own, so it cost them something. Even if it was only a pigeon, it cost them something. But they then didn't present those animals to God. It was the priests whose job it was to do that. And in particular, as we kind of read, the priests would basically kind of butcher the animal and splash the blood onto the altar, kind of arrange the parts of the animal to be burnt on the altar. I mean, it is an incredibly messy, bloody job, isn't it? There's blood and fat and bits everywhere. Sorry if your stomach is churning, but that's what it's like. And the people, of course, were dependent upon the priests to do their job and to do it well, because the priests were standing in between the people and God. They were the intercessors, the mediators between the people and God. And that's why they are mediating, standing there with those sacrifices, of course. And the priests take the sacrifices, basically, and present them to God. That's their job. And and they are kind of religious butchers. That's kind of what they are. They really are. Because it is all very, very uh, graphic in kind of all senses of the word. That the picture of it... What they actually do. I mean there is blood and, and gut everywhere, but you can see it's so very visual, isn't it? You really see what goes on here. The high priest in particular would also wear the urim and the thummim. They were in the breastplate. They were kind of um well, they were to discern God's will. They were kind of a traffic light kind of system, is the way that they basically worked. And uh The high priest would help the children of Israel to know what God's will was. Should we go forward? Should we not? Should we take the city? Should we not? Should we move forward? Should we stop? All those kind of things they asked God and the answer came via the urim and the Thummim on the high priest's breastplate. Um, Chapter 8 we uh, didn't read but in chapter 8 you've got Aaron and uh, Aaron and his sons being ordained as priests before God. And it is God's instructions. God is commanding these things to occur. Aaron and his sons are consecrated, they're ordained, and Aaron, of course, himself is the first high priest. The ordination lasts seven days. I mean, ordinations today normally take an hour or so. If it lasts for two hours, everyone's desperate to get to the kind of the normal buffet afterwards. But imagine that, the ordination lasts seven days for Aaron in those days. And they they could not leave the tabernacle during those times, those days. And chapter 9, as we read, this is the start now of the priestly sacrifices being made. Verse 23, we have some remarkable words. Because really what we are having here, the sacrifices have been made, the priests have started their job, and now the glory of God comes. Verse 23, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting, they could go in, they couldn't before. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people god is with his people again it's very visual they can see the glory of god fire came out from the presence of the lord consumed the burned offering it's in, again it's incredibly visual they are seeing something here god is this is really god saying to them i accept you as my people you see you can see the glory of god god is saying i accept your sacrifices and in in accepting the sacrifices of course with this fire god has not consumed the people they can see god in this way but they're not consumed instead of burning the people god has burnt the sacrifices that were offered there on the the, uh, the altar And God really is making his presence felt, isn't he, amongst his people. It's the felt presence of God. It's the seen presence of God. They're receiving assurance for God. You are my people. Look, look at what is happening. You can see something of my glory. And so the Israelites, of course, they're given great hope by this. They know they can have assurance. God has accepted our sacrifice. The glory of God has come. What a difference that would make to the people. They now have hope, don't they? Hope and trust. God is living, dwelling with his people and we haven't been consumed. He's in our midst with his glory. What a great sight for the Israelites. And how glorious it is for the Israelites to be able to see something of the glory of God as well. So it's a great thing that happens, really it does. And that's the difference that the priests, and of course the sacrifices, as we saw last week, that's the difference that's made. Moses is now in the tent, and uh, uh, Aaron. Aaron. So, second thing though, because we're looking at chapters 8 to 10, what's the problem with the priests? Everything is on a high at the end of chapter 9. The glory of God has come, he's accepted the sacrifices, and imagine now being in the camp you're an israelite you've prepared your sacrifice of course you're dependent upon the priest aren't you you're dependent upon the priest being acceptable to god acceptable to god in who they are acceptable to god in what they do you're dependent upon their holiness and you're dependent upon them taking your sacrifice and Doing, butchering it and everything else properly splashing the blood chapter 8 Aaron and his sons are ordained and they have to be consecrated the blood of a bull and if you remember from last week a bull was the kind of the big sacrifice mainly for Israel but this is so important Aaron and the priests that a bull is sacrificed the huge cost that they would be to that so that they the blood of the bull was placed on them then they have to have the blood of a ram for their ordination as priests, so they're consecrated, then they're kind of dedicated to be priests with the blood of a ram, because they need to be cleansed from their sins before they can become priests without the shedding of blood, no forgiveness of sins. And so chapter nine, as the work becomes before helping the people, Aaron has to make an offering for himself again, then for the sins of the people. So, Aaron and his sons and his successors are sinners in the eyes of God, in the hands of God, in the presence of God, and their sin has got to be atoned for constantly. Their sacrifices have to be accepted by God first before they can start making sacrifices for all the Israelites, like you and me, if we were there. Again, just like in previous weeks, I asked the question, How would that make you feel as an ordinary Israelite sinner? Be concerned, wouldn't you? You've seen the glory of God. you see what the fire does to the sacrifice. And now day in, day day out, you're dependent upon Aaron and all the other priests to make sure that they've made atonement for themselves and then dependent upon the fact that they do a proper job when they're presenting your sacrifice. It doesn't bring great assurance. But it does bring joy because at the end of chapter 9, they shouted for joy and fell face down. So there's joy there. There is great relief there at the end of chapter 9. When they're shouting, they're relieved. God hasn't killed us. He's accepted the sacrifice. The relief is incredible. And if you were there, your assurance would be growing. And then it goes horribly wrong in chapter 10 because they fail straight away. It's almost like Sinai, isn't it? You know, Moses on Sinai, God's speaking to him, God is getting the Ten Commandments, and as that's happening, there's immediate failure. The Israelites are at the bottom of Sinai making the golden calf and worshipping idolatry straight away. And again, in what should have been a glorious situation, and one that brings, should bring, assurance to the Israelites. We get the death of Naabah and Nadab and Abihu. Uh, the glory of the Lord, the worship of the Lord, is there. But Aaron's sons in chapter ten do not obey the commands of God. They try to worship God in the wrong way. Aaron's sons and Abihu, chapter 10, verse 1, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorised fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So they're trying to worship God, but they're going against the way that he has already prescribed. The detail has come. All they've got to do is follow the detail, but they don't. Verse 2. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Failure straight away. Imagine now seeing Nadab and Abi who die. The assurance that you've had in seeing the glory of God in thinking yeah everything's going to be fine now we can be safe in the presence of a holy living powerful God. Well, I'm not sure how much assurance I would have after seeing what God does to Nadab and Abihu. Chapter, uh, verses 6 and 7 uh, just really the instructions in chapter 10 verses 6 and 7, the instructions again, it's an incredible warning from God. Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eliezer and Ithamar, do not let your hair become unkempt Do not tear your clothes or you will die and the lord will be angry with the whole community but your relatives and all the israelites may mourn for those the lord has destroyed by fire do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting or you will die because the lord's anointing oil is on you (laughs) so they did as moses said well of course they did (laughs) it's a very clear instruction they've just seen what's happened they are definitely now going to follow Certainly for a while, the instructions of God through Moses. But what a responsibility there is for the priests. Imagine being next in line to be priest. You know, don't you, that you approach God in the right way. They have to, because there's huge responsibility. So imagine you're an Israelite and you see all that going on imagine you're a priest and all that is going on how do you feel before a holy powerful God I'd be thinking what are the instructions I've got to keep them to the letter of the law so it's visual you'd think it's wonderful to see the glory but it's very frightening and scary at the same time so the third thing what difference does Jesus make Because there's a lack of assurance. We keep seeing this, that we can have an assurance that they really can't have. They get visual stuff. We get far more. Because Jesus, remembers, is the one who fulfills the law and the prophets. And it's not that the priesthood or priests have been abolished. It's not that we today don't need a priest. It's not that there's another way. We still need a priest to bring us to God. We still need a priest to bring sacrifice to God. We still need a high priest, as we're going to see in a few weeks' time, to enter the Holy of Holies for us. We still need all those things God has not changed. Differences, of course, Jesus is all those things and has fulfilled all those things for us. He is the priest that we need to bring us to God. He is that priest who brings us to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's Jesus in his priestly role. He is the priest who brings the once-for-all sacrifice in his own body. He's the one whose blood is shed for us. He is our great high priest. Not just a high priest, a great high priest, who not only enters the Holy of Holies, but unlike the high priest, he actually sits down in the presence of God. He Sits at the right hand of God. That's why it's so significant in the book of Hebrews, the fact that he sits down. We kind of miss that sometimes. So what if he's sitting down? The priest, the high priest on the day of atonement, which is actually today is Yom, no, Yom Kippur today, isn't it? That's not the day of atonement, that's a different day. Uh, but on the day of atonement, he can come into the Holy of Holies with the right sacrifice but he can never sit down because when you sit down, your work's finished and the high priest's work is never finished. But Jesus as our great high priest. His work for us is finished once for all. The equivalent really of Leviticus for us on these chapters is um, Hebrews chapters 7 to 9. It's worth, if you've got a Bible with you, it's worth turning with me to Hebrews 7 because uh, we really see there in those chapters the greatness of the lord jesus Uh, we see it right at the end first of all of uh, of chapter 7 in verse 26 jesus comes not in the order of levi Levi or aaron Uh, aaron of course is a levi priest a levi uh, a levitical priest a levi priest levite even couldn't think of the word um but jesus is in the order of melchizedek was the priest that Abraham met in Genesis 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there. Um, the one who is near to Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, the one who when Abraham fights um, for Sodom and Gomorrah to rescue his nephew Lot, that Melchizedek is there and Melchizedek blesses Abraham. He suddenly appears. Verse 26, Jesus is in that order. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints us high priest men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus is as high priest so far superior to the other high priests, It's almost, uh, you almost can't describe the gulf between them. It's huge the difference between them. Chapter eight tells us verse one. The main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. And who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Jesus brings in a better covenant with better promises. We can have assurance because the sacrifice has been made and has been accepted. We're not standing there worrying, wondering, will my sacrifice be accepted? We look back and we know it has been. Because he was perfect in all ways. Doesn't have to offer a sacrifice because he's sinless. And his own body, his own perfect spotless body is the sacrifice for us. And then in chapter 9, the worship set up. Those first 10 verses remind us. Of again how superior Jesus is. And, uh, and then in, uh, verses, it's worth having a look in, in chapter 9, uh, verse 14, if I can find it. Uh, how much more then with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Our consciences can be cleansed. The Israelites didn't know that. Verse 22, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But his blood has been shed. Verse 26, Christ, otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Tremendous verses, aren't they? was 28, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You see the priesthood has got problems even in Leviticus, I mean it's great but it's got problems but we have a great high priest and we can have assurance tonight, boldness tonight to come before God you couldn't have boldness as, as an Israelite, we can because of the finished work of christ you know there is something in as we read leviticus there's something because it's so visual there's something appealing about it if you kind of can put up with the blood and and the guts and everything else flying everywhere but old testament tabernacle and then temple life is so visible the smells, because there's a huge smell of those animals, the blood, the rituals, the glory of the Lord coming, the fire burning. I mean, the sight of it is incredible and wondrous and glorious, but it's so inferior. It seems as if that would be so wonderful, but it's inferior to what we have, because it's nothing compared to a better covenant with a better great high priest Because we can have, as a friend of mine had when she was dying, she used to say, I have a sure and certain hope. The Israelites may have seen the glory of the Lord in the tabernacle, but by faith we can see the glory of God through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our great high priest, tempted in all points of the law, yet for you and me was without sin. Because of that, we can come before the throne of grace, the throne of God, with assurance, with boldness, with joy, because of what Jesus has done.